Are you guys ready up there? Hi, and welcome to the Women in Film and Television Ireland podcast. My name is Fiona Kinsella. I'm a Women in Film and Television board member, and I'm also a producer at Tile Media and Jumper Productions. At Catalyst International Film Festival last April, Women in Film and Television held a very special discussion, Voices from the Edge. Moderated by Dr. Zalia Zava of Screen Ireland, this panel explored the contribution of challenges facing diverse Irish or Irish-based artists to the cultural life of Irish society across a range of art forms, including film, television and music. Um, hello everyone, welcome to today's panel. Um, we've got a fantastic lineup today and I'm sure it's going to be a fascinating conversation learning more about their work. Um, so just to um, go through the panel briefly, we have um, Sandrina Wasi Indahiro, a writer, filmmaker and doctoral student at UL um, in literature, who co-directed the short documentary Unsilencing Black Voices, a film foregrounding the long-denied prevalence of racism in Ireland, which coincided with the rise of the Irish BLM movement following George Floyd's murder in 2020 and became an important part of the national debate. Sandrine is also artist in residency at Visual Carlo and the co-founder of the literary magazine Unapologetic, uh, established to showcase diverse voices and perspectives often overlooked in uh, mainstream media. Um, we're also delighted to be joined by two student filmmakers from LSAD, Shane Joyce and Corin Gibbons. Um, his short documentary, Underground Era, won the, the First Frame Best Documentary Award at the Virgin Media Dublin International Film Festival last month. Um, many congratulations to you both. Um, Corinne came to film via photography, a discipline she studied and practiced for many years, and Shane started making short films as a teenager, um, shooting, editing, and acting in his own work before embarking on collaborative practice. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add? Before we move on, okay. um, I'm struck by the fact that both these documentaries that you've been involved with, um, Underground Era and Unsilencing Black Voices, break new ground in Irish storytelling, looking at themes of racism, identity, exclusion and belonging through narratives centralising the lived experiences of ordinary people, um, Underground Era specifically looking at uh, young people, young artists in Limerick. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about your process um, in crafting these stories or coming to these themes? Um, I suppose, what was your, um, what initially drew you to these um, issues and these narratives and wanting to showcase these voices? Um, yeah, I'll start. Um, I think, yeah, thank you. Um, with, I've, uh, with Unsilenced and Black Voices, that was the first time that I ever ventured into anything to do with film. And it was just at the height of BLM where we heard like the conversations about like racism and people were like, oh, like, oh, it's awful what's happening in America. And I was like, mm, but like we do have a uh, we do have um, black and Irish people and mixed race people in Ireland who experience racism, but like no one has really talked about it. So with that, then we were like, OK, what different forms of expression can we do? And film was kind of the first thing that came into mind. And um, during COVID, um, we decided since it was kind of the height of COVID, it's we shot everything on our iPhone. So we didn't have any budget or anything like that. And what we did was we did a call for contribution where we just asked people, like, if you've experienced racism, um, think of a one minute scenario, which, again, it's a very hard thing because you've, you've experienced racism. It's an ongoing thing and it's something you, you experience for a really long time. 
So to ask someone to only think of an incident that and fit it in one minute. And with that, a lot of people, some people are like um, fine to record themselves and talk about it, while others didn't want to reveal their identity. So we did voice notes as well. So um, with that, we did the whole documentary in six weeks, which was very crazy. But again, it was just because we weren't, we didn't have any experience. We were like, okay, we want to do this. And the main thing was we wanted to, our audience was young people. We wanted to make it accessible for schools. So that's why when we did it, we uploaded it on YouTube and just kind of like switched everything off. I When we did it, I thought that, okay, we'd get two views and everything like that. But we got amazing success where like we've been able to show it through schools, universities, both in Ireland and international. And we got into film festivals and everything like that. So it really showcased how like something like that was needed and the fact that it was coming from female um female filmmakers but then also like underrepresented and minority voices that it was like it was a space that we needed to create yeah underground era thing just um came from an idea when i started a plc course in lcfe and i was interacting with the artists that were actually studying a media course at the time and i was kind of thinking like i want to promote these people and so, yeah, it came from a place of passion and I just wanted to explore their personal identities in music and their struggles as well. As well. In Ireland, um, trying to kind of try to promote their music in Ireland, but their main audience was coming from like other countries like America, the UK. Um, so I just wanted to, like I found my crew then when I came into LIT and... Um, Sorry, I'm like super nervous. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I found my crew and like I couldn't have done it like without them. And yeah, that's all that's true and same. Um, yeah, so no funding. Um, it was just kind of ourselves, our own equipment and um, the artists. Um, so the shoot of it was, I think we had five or six production days over kind of a two month period and editing then was a month um so yeah about three months to put it all together and um yeah it was a mixture of interviewing kind of in the streets of limerick and in the artist's kind of homes that was one thing i found really interesting about the the tone or the aesthetic images of of i suppose confinement these um small intimate spaces of bedrooms and so on, stairwells, kind of um, liminal spaces, alleyways, and there was a sense of um, I suppose, or exclusion, but at the same time then the freedom of the ideas, the, the, I suppose the freedom of the music, and as you say, this, this access to an international audience provided digitally, um, and I suppose the, the, the opportunities that kind of COVID in its own way opened up in terms of accessing those audiences and I'm struck by the fact that that's been going on for a long time in terms of hip-hop Irish hip-hop and thinking of Reggie Snow and others who have made their name in in America or, or worked in America and been recognized in England and maybe not so much at home um and yeah I, I was just wondering about the the tone of the work did you think about that when you were shooting it or was it kind of let's just shoot where we can was it more of a guerrilla aesthetic um yeah the tone was premeditated um it was kind of like and i had the idea to talk to these artists and find their stories and i it was like 
when the two of us started talking, it was kind of like, what should that look like? How should that feel? Like, we're making a documentary about them, but what about them? Um, and I guess that kind of then started to break down into, well, it's about music and that culture and that's got an association with like streets and I don't feel like the streets of Limerick kind of get spoken about or ever highlighted it's like very much so yeah I haven't seen a lot of the streets and spots that we've shot at in any of the films that I've seen shot in Limerick um kind of going down alleyways and stuff that like we all pass through when we were living in Limerick but we never stop and highlight them so it's kind of like landmarks they kind of wanted to highlight those places with those people. Um, and yeah, again, thanks. So, um, it was an example, good example of, uh, I suppose, a colour conscious approach that you were um, talking to different artists about their lives and about their art and about how their identity feeds into their work um, with a recognition that racism is a part of that. Um, that, um, that, you know, recognizing the salience of race and the experience of people who are racialized without, I suppose, making a documentary which is specifically about those issues. Um, and I think there's often a debate in screen media as to how filmmakers can, um, I suppose, respond to uh, calls for more equality and that kind of, uh, I suppose, understanding of the, um, the experiences that we all have that shape how we negotiate the world and um, how we move through the world or are allowed to move through the world. That, I thought that was really important to highlight. Um, I was also struck in terms of thinking about Limerick in, in your work uh, by something Feli Speak said at the, um, the Arts Council Places Matter conference, which happened, I think, two weeks ago, that artists are not placemakers, not responsible for rescuing or defining places, but they are place markers, bearing the mark of a place and making on that place. Wondering if you could talk more about, I suppose, you started talking about the ecology of the place and the kind of the role that Limerick itself plays in your art, in your work, um, in your place marking. Um, yeah, I think kind of in how Limerick informs as an artist, it's like, especially, especially like at our kind of stage, kind of young artists, there's not a lot there for us like it never felt like like growing up there was no kind of uh, this is so I'm interested in film there's no hub for other young filmmakers and it's kind of like yeah I don't think the setup is there and so it's very isolating and I think that kind of comes into your work that it's very like looking at the past filmmakers in Limerick and they're so they do so much themselves um looking actually in Serrano and Steve Hall so Hela Linden they're all like shooting, editing, doing all the processes themselves. And it's a very individual thing. And then talking to the musicians and they had a very, very similar experience where it's like, it's just hours in their bedroom on their own. And kind of, yeah, they were talking about like, people always talk to them like, oh, you're always out partying, promoting yourselves. And it's like, no, most of it is in your bedroom on your own working. And I think, yeah, that Limerick is missing that um, kind of, spot where people can come together and make art together um and yeah i kind of wanted to highlight a little bit of how we are isolated making our own art but that people are making art and they are there and there is potential for collaboration let's just find it
Yeah, um, I think um, I'm kind of approaching that with our, the documentary that I've been doing in Cairo. And But for me, I'm looking at it through, because um, Cairo is such like a small place, but that's where I grew up. So like by talking about the um, themes of identity and belonging, I think it kind of adds a more nuance to you place it in a very specific localized manner as opposed to when we did the first documentary it was Ireland in general so now we're just going to like a specific place and even with there like I'll get to go to like different shop like um African shops um Brazilian shops that like I grew up around but like they wouldn't have been as popular there so I think it'll be kind of um highlighting and informing people of all these um nuanced places that again, like you, as you were saying, like you just walk, uh, walk past, you don't really understand the cultural element of it. So I think there is a beauty on kind of looking at things from a local and specific manner and kind of um, highlighting that. It's definitely something that, um, uh, you know, Irish film came under a lot of criticism for during the Celtic Tiger, that there was um, a lack of that kind of cultural specificity um, that I think, uh, what was it Ruth Barton said? Um, the one thing culturally specific about these films was that, was that they were not culturally specific. There was a kind of anonymity to a lot of the films that were made um, where it could have really been any European city. And obviously there were reasons for that to kind of, um, I suppose, present a, a cosmopolitan view of the country and, a, and a, a modern contemporary view. But at the same time, something was lost. And I think now we're seeing a lot more um, value in looking at culturally specific films and, or culturally specific themes and seeing the, the way that that can translate and, you know, Iraq and other films are great examples of that, um, the success that they've had internationally. Um, I wondered um, if you could talk a little bit about the role of collaboration in your work. Obviously, we think of film as a very collaborative process, um, but uh, I know that you've also worked your working your work on the literary magazine unapologetic is also collaborative and um i suppose one thing that is was really interesting about underground era was that you were not just talking about uh, not just talking to artists about their work individually but also having them in dialogue with each other um and i know that that's something that that you've highlighted in your work sandrine the idea of bringing these voices into dialogue with one another um so uh, yeah i was wondering if you kind of came to collaborate, collaboration um, with a kind of new idea of creativity in mind or was that just the best kind of working practice for you? Um, I, I think I did collaborative because in my research I just do it by myself and I think it's a very isolating thing and I've always been interested in different um, modes of storytelling but like since I'm a literary um, student I've always kind of been like literature so when it came to film, I just thought it's like I couldn't have done it without collaborating with people who are like aware of like the technical side of it, kind of the financial, all of these different background thing as opposed to like being like having the vision of it. And I think like even with the magazine, it's there's so many like when I think of like identity, I kind of talk about my hybrid identity of being a Wendy's Irish. But again, I'll be I'd be guilty of just looking at that identity as opposed to looking at different migrant communities in Cairo or like the traveling community. So it's only working collaboratively when someone is like, have you considered this and have you considered that? And I found that with all the projects that I've done that have been collaborative, like we've gotten amazing feedback and support because we've been able to like hit key themes that I wouldn't have thought about myself and that they've been able to like 
really um elevated and it it just showcases how like there's so much um creativity in Ireland but again it's like people just don't know where to look for it so like the way I look at it my with my role it's like I just I'm just a very annoying person so I'm like I'll just create the spaces and just get other people to pass the mic on so like even if, if I have an idea it's I'll I'm like I'll be good at networking so I, I don't have any issues of asking someone for help but then it's like I know like someone would be more qualified than me like in editing then I'd bring them on or I'd ask for that and I've just found like the collaborative approach has just been the best because that's been the only way we've been able to be successful in the documentary and the magazine is just like really realizing like how to kind of get different nuances like when you're you're talking about um, people's lived experiences and not just focusing on my own yeah yeah we went with the clever approach as well because um, because I knew the three artists from a PLC course that I did um, prior to that um, it was nice to have like you said as well like their input on like how they struggle with the music industry in Ireland and then their own personal identities as well um so it was nice as well because there's a, a scene from the um, documentary where Owen asked Lucas a question on camera and that wasn't um that wasn't like planned or anything it just happened and we just sort of roll with it and I just thought the clever approaches like was the best thing to do um, for the documentary because um, we had the three artists in the same space at one point as well. And it was just really interesting to hear their creative aspect on their industry. And then they would ask us about like our photography and film industry as well. And we would say like how it's hard being in Limerick as well, like kind of creating um, visuals um, so yeah, it was it was really it was really nice to have a um, like a group approach on um, the documentary. I do like intend to um, what's the word um, expand the project so I'd have more artists. Um, that that'd be a bigger planned event. Um, but yeah, I do intend to expand it because I know like a lot more artists in local cities around Limerick. Um, that would love for their voice to be heard as well. Um, I suppose um, one thing I was interested in um, was the kind of concept of authenticity and um, in terms of the work that you're looking at, um, I suppose we're, we're, there are questions around what does it mean to be Irish and um, how is that, uh, I suppose, monitored and regulated there, um, we come back time and time again to this question of belonging and people being asked to kind of justify their legitimacy um, in terms of, you know, where are you really from and so on. But also in terms of hip hop, there's been this question around authenticity and, you know, 20 years ago it was um, people saying, well, you can't really perform in hip hop unless you have this certain background or um, it was seen as strange to perform in your own accent. And now we've kind of switched the own way, the other way. And there's a recognition of the way that um, these art forms become relevant in different regional contexts. Um, and I suppose, do you think that that authenticity is kind of something useful that you can kind of play with in your work? Um, or do you find it limiting? At the moment, we're kind of talking about having more... Um, uh, fair and equal representation um, 
But I wonder if that can sometimes be um, restricting as well. How, how have you, is it something that you've thought about in terms of your own work, in terms of the charting that, that scene in Limerick? Um, yeah, like, I think in terms of just asking about, like, the approach to authenticity, is it? Or, um, yeah, I think just allowing people to have their own voice and just, like, I guess approaching documentary in not a way that it's, like, we're trying to mine something and that you're not going at someone looking for, like, you're not looking at a human and going, give me your trauma for a story that I can tell. It's just you're allowing what do you want to say? And I guess it's like you're just offering an image and sound and for that subject to then just like run with that, I guess, and do what they feel they want to do and not kind of coerce or kind of, yeah, mine, I guess. Um, I think it just comes in your approach to like how you come at the people that you want to collaborate with and how you film them and the situations that you put them in while collaborating with them and just kind of, curating a space that's safe to be authentic, I guess. Yeah, I think a lot of um, documentarians who are taking a kind of decolonial approach would talk about sitting with subjects, accompanying them, um, rather than, as you say, trying to manipulate or exploit or direct their stories in some ways, just allowing that, um, that voice to have a space and to express itself in the way it feels most um, honest and genuine. Um, I'd like to bring you in, Owen. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was wondering, um, in terms of um, filmmaking in relation to your work as a musician, I know um, where I read about um, your video for Blue Lights, which has gotten a lot of heat online, almost 10,000 views on YouTube. And I was wondering, um, when you are working with filmmakers um, in terms of shooting videos, do you, um, I suppose, how does the, the uh, do you think about the way that the images and the words and, and that those concepts will work together um, as you're crafting the song? Or do, is that something that comes later? And are you interested in being part of that process of imaging your work? Um, yeah, I feel it's... It's, it's, it's a very uh, strong process, so normally, generally, you start with the music, first of all. So the way I do it is I love to record everything and I freestyle. So I say everything from the top of my head, whatever I'm feeling at the moment, and I just captivate it in that, and I record everything at home. So I kind of want that to transcend into the music video. So I generally have a nice say in how I want it to go. Um, if people have seen the music video for Blue Lights, uh, there's some certain scenes that weren't actually meant to be a part of it. So there was a scene where we were actually on the roundabout and the guards happened to just drive past and uh, tell us to get off. But it was just funny in terms of um, the song because we were talking about, you know, driving with no license and all that. But <laughs> the guards were basically there to help us influence the video more. So it kind of gave us a bitter, bigger perspective of how we wanted to captivate the audience. And I'm happy with the way it turned out. And I love being like part of the process, obviously. Um, it's always good to show showcase what you can do. And it's always good to put your input into the, into the work, so. We were also talking about um, the role of collaboration in your work, um, in, in everybody's work. 
Um, and I noticed looking at your videos that you're you're often not on your own or even centralized. And I was wondering, um, is that something that you kind of deliberately do to present a kind of communal um, image on screen? Or is it um, to kind of get away from that idea of the individual um, performer as, as, you know, the unique voice behind the work? Or is it something that just kind of comes naturally? Um, I'll say it more or less comes naturally. Um, the way I normally have it is we have, so LMK is representing Limerick. So every time we do a show or we do a music video, we always have to have people around. I think it's just more or less people generally want to come along and support us. So it isn't really based on um, just having it in the actual video in terms of like having everyone around by force. People genuinely just want to come out and support us and show love. And that's just the best thing about making music. Everyone's kind of a family. So. One of the things that came up in the documentary um, that you um, worked on together in Underground Era was um, this kind of dichotomy between um, the elevation of certain artists. So Joyce Sachs talks about being inspired by the success of black Irish women at the top of the music industry and seeing herself represented and feeling that she has a place, that she belongs, that she... Um, that there is a, a space for her and her music, I suppose. Um, at the same time, uh, there's also discussion of racial profiling. And um, the way that those two things sit is a, a reflection of the reality, but it seems um, that we have this bizarre a contrast between celebrating certain um, work by black artists, but at the same time, not really addressing the underlying structures that um, create that kind of racism. And I was wondering if anyone on the panel has any um, ideas about how those two things might be um, able to offset one another. Does more representation perhaps lead to more fairness? Does it help to dismantle some of those unequal structures, do you think? Or is it a question of kind of... Um, uh, blackness being in fashion, as uh, you know, quoting, um, you know, uh, uh, get out, black is in fashion. Uh, what do you think? Do you think that there's a, a space now, given that there's more representation really than ever before in Ireland, um, for things to change, or that given the lack of political representation, that's unlikely to happen anytime soon? Yeah, um, I think like more spaces need to be open in order to dismantle it. So, like, I know <clears throat> with my work, it's I try to move away from just talking about racism because I think that's something that's always projected to black people. So it's like to really showcase how I'm more than just my blackness and I'm more than just racism. And I think the best way to do it is I do it through an inter interdisciplinary approach. So through film and the magazine where it's you're talking about different things. So like even when I'm talking about like my hybrid identity of being Rwandese and Irish, it's more from a cultural perspective than a racism perspective and how having both identities have um, constructed my understanding of what it means to be Irish. And I think there's so many young um, black and Irish um, filmmakers, scholars, everything like that, who just don't have the opportunity because there's not that many funding for like underrepresented um, voices where, again, it's people want to talk about um, like issues like racism, but again, it's not the people which are experiencing it like in the behind the stage. So 
even with what uh, you're talking about, like kind of extracting the story. So with the documentary that I'll be shooting over the summer, it's I've been meeting with the participants since November. So I meet with them um, once a month and we chat for like half an hour where I get to tell them about my experiences growing up in Cairo and they tell me about their experience. So again, it's not like, oh, we're going to go and make a documentary about migrant experience in Cairo, traumatize them, then leave. It's like we're having this collaborative approach. And again, I just think like that could be something that could be adapted um, everywhere, but there just needs to be more funding for um, minority voices and underrepresented because, again, there's no point talking about it in the sense of, oh, we know that Ireland is um, diverse and it's cultural, like if there's nothing there to represent it, you know? So we need to be able to see that in order to kind of break down that dichotomy and we haven't seen it. And I think a lot of the times when I've talked about it, people are like, oh, be patient. But I'm like, I've been in Ireland for 16 years and I think it's kind of like ridiculous that when I go on TV to watch RT or anything, the only time a black person is there is when they talk about racism, because that like shapes my understanding of, oh, this is the only time as a filmmaker, I'll have to make something about race to kind of get recognition, as opposed to being like, no, I just want to make things about black joy, culture, everything like that. And especially with migrants is to show like how they've really contributed to the cultural landscape of Ireland. So like, that's what we're trying to do. And by doing that, we're like dismantling that. So I think it's creating these new spaces and just allowing people from like marginalized and migrant backgrounds to just exist and tell whatever story they want to tell as opposed to fitting like this narrative of blackness or anything like that. So that'd be my approach. Um, yeah, just to follow up on what she said, um, I do feel that, um, you know, race is a, a big thing in Ireland. Um, you know, growing up myself personally, I've, I've experienced it. I'm not going to lie to you guys and say I haven't, but um, I do feel there is a change that is actually approaching. Uh, you can see even in the sports, we have, you know, our first black um, Nigerian soccer player, Adozi, representing Ireland. So you can see stuff like that improving. Obviously, in terms of the music, because I'll bring it back to the music side, um, you do see a big change in the culture as well. You have uh, Limerick artists like Denise Chala, who is representing Limerick herself, and she is a black Irish, you know, musician. Um, you have God Knows from Limerick as well. And you have people in Dublin like Jafaris, you know. So there's people, there, the change is happening. Um, I do feel, you know, we're going forward in the right direction. So happy out with it so far now. <laughs> um, coming back to your own practice as artists, I was wondering if there were particular storytellers, particular artists, Irish artists who had influenced you, who had, um, uh, I suppose, been part of your process in, in coming to music or film or photography or writing? Yeah, um, for me, um, from the very start, it was my, my dad who influenced me a lot um, with photography. Um, when he was younger, he had a, a darkroom um to develop film in in his basement and um he has like none of the negatives now i like asked him about it but he's like collecting like all film cameras now and um i took a year out after i finished school and i was kind of trying to find myself really um haven't fully found myself yet but you know we're still going on that journey um but i knew that i wanted to go in the direction of 
creating something visually. Um, so yeah, it was definitely my dad who's a massive influence um, for me. And then for the documentary then, it was um, The Defiant Ones on Netflix. Um, I just really liked the way that it was shot and the artists like they collaborate like about that as well and people involved in it and I was just um, so amazed by the documentary and it was just really well made and that's where I got my inspiration uh, for the documentary. Um, yeah, I think that's it for me. <laughs> Um, I think mine would be more from a literary perspective. Um, so it would be, um, I read, in, during my master's, I read this book, um, This Hostile Life. So it was my first time ever reading a black and Irish author and like in my whole degree. So I was like, oh, so we actually are in a cultural landscape. And I think then Emma Dabiri, Don't Touch My Hair as well, has really influenced in the way um, I kind of interact with marginalized communities in Ireland. And because just the way she's done it, like in offering that authenticity and really like creating that space of where, like, again, to just understand how Ireland is multicultural and diverse and it's changing, but like we all have our voices in it. So like those two books would have really um, inspired um, my approach of storytelling. Filmmakers that just like listening to their um, speaking on like film, I think one of the most influential uh, probably Bradford Young and just how like he talks about how like bringing intimacy into an image and bringing um, just how film can be political and how but like narrative film can be political in every small choice and it's not just like grandiose themes and ideas but it's everything down to what lens you're shooting on and who you're shooting with that lens and with the historical contexts of how those lenses were used in the past and who they photographed can completely shape your audience's relationship to your subject. Um, like you can use lenses to accentuate certain features and whatnot and it's been done in the past. Um, and just like avoiding that and knowing the context behind certain artistic decisions and just really bringing like every choice matters in when you're presenting someone to an audience and yeah I think like the way he speaks about cinema and film kind of resonates with me and yeah I think he'd be one of my influences. And for myself then um, my influence would be my mother so I grew up in, in Holland until I was eight years old and growing up in Holland it was we didn't have an easy life it was just me and my mom and um, she used to play music around the house she used to sing used to dance She's not the best dancer now anyway, but <laughs> she used to try. And um, I kind of, you know, fell in love with music then. And, and then when I moved to Ireland, I started just listening to, you know, like American artists like Akon and, you know, Chris Brown. And I was like, oh, I can do that. Um, and then I seen, like, I, who was it? I think it was the Rubber Bandits. I know it's, uh, it's funny, but, you know, I was like, oh, they're from Limerick. They're doing music. I can do it as well, you know, let's try it out. And uh, look where we are today, doing shows, you know, and that's, I say that'll be my influence there. I wonder at this point if anyone from the audience would have any questions for the panel, um, anything that they'd like to raise? Yeah. Well, I shouldn't really really be the one. Uh, this always happens to me. I'm so fascinated with the discussion, but I can't 
um, contain myself, so I pause just a, a little while to let somebody else in. Um, I think it's really interesting hearing you guys talk about, first of all, the, the, the passion within you to work alone and to, to create and so on, but also what's coming up is the idea of you know support. And I'm wondering, seeing this, we're touching on it in a number of ways, if, if there is visibility, we will increase the people who will go in. So visibility is very important. What kinds of support in an ID world would you like? I think for me, even in regards to funding, is just um, with the information to be kind of um, shared out. So I think with a lot of the stuff, it, you have to know someone who knows someone who knows someone to get the information. And I think it's very hard when you're not in the film industry. So as I said, like um, a US student, so like I, you, you always send me the information. But again, it's only because I know you. And so I think it's with that because with other young filmmakers I've talked to like I'd send it on and they'd be like oh I didn't even know this I'm like but you're in film school so I think it's if there is funding there and there are like again like there has been great support like with IFI to like really increase diversity but that information is just not been given to everyone so it's just you have to know someone so I think like by breaking down that barrier and kind of um, be, making it more accessible, okay. you you would you would be surprised with how many people um um apply for it. Because as I said, I just don't think it's fair that you have to know someone um to get that information because ev like everyone has a story to tell, but again, they just have to be able to access it. I feel um in terms of support, I say you know me personally, I feel like I'm getting the support that I I need. Um, obviously, I do everything kind of myself, so. I record at home, you know, I, I do the videos and stuff like that. But I feel the support in terms of music is literally just sharing it, um, having the ability to, you know, do shows, which I am at the moment, you know. Um, I say mainly uh, radio is kind of hard in terms of getting, you know, the the music to get up there. But it's slowly but surely getting there. So I say that would be my terms of music, just getting support that way. Yeah, there's, there's been a lot of challenges being a filmmaker. Um, I'm at the very early stages of it at the moment myself. Um, I suppose I've kind of found the crew that I would love to work with in the future, um, but that was only through college. Um, and to be honest, they have taught me a lot that I need to know and vice versa as well like we're all helping each other um in the industry uh giving each other each opportunities and um like making connections with people as well um but really their support for me at the moment is like um what's the word like all i would like at the moment um there's more out there um and i would love to for it to happen um, but I'm just on the ladder at the moment, like making my way up and just seeing where it goes. Um, yeah, I don't know if Shana said anything. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess like like myself, it's like, you know, I didn't have an issue in terms of like, you know, like coming from a middle class background, it's like, yeah at 15 I could get a job and I could get a camera and I could start learning and it's like 
I think for myself, it's like in terms of support, it's kind of just keep going and keep meeting people. And yeah, as in like I have that privilege that I like there are other filmmakers there who don't have supports. And in terms of like there's, I guess for like you talk about filmmakers with disabilities and it's so hard for them. And because you're the way film is and it's you know it's time it's budget and it's money and it's like the second you have to start facilitating someone's needs that person has a massive barrier of entry and like yeah we talk about diversity and bringing more people into film and supporting people but our support never kind of goes into facilitation and into like you know yeah i guess i'm starting to say what i want to say but um yeah, personally, in terms of support, what we're looking for is just funding opportunities. Um, like, really, for myself, that would be kind of it, and I'm fortunate enough to be in that position. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, before I start, actually, can I can maybe just preface, but considering you spoke about uh, racism and anti-racism, it's just worth noting that uh, where we are now was a, a very important spot in the history of anti-racism in Ireland, because the Savoy in 1979 was the, the scene of a very uh, a boycott over racist bouncers. It was a pretty different building back then, but just worth noting that at the time, Steve Patricia musicians came out as allies and boycotted the venue. But just, I want to take a follow-up on maybe the point was here uh, earlier on, where about the importance of visibility and uh, that, as and you also referenced it about when people see young black voices at the forefront of music or coming out other areas. And I suppose I, I just have a concern as someone um, that what has happened in a number of cases is institutions which have the power to protect and to look out for these young voices have left them to the, um, the, uh, the, the worst forms of society in the form of social media and social media attacks. And there's no parallel to any other public figure in Ireland. The vitriol of this young black voices that have seen in the last few years of this country um, compared to those. Politicians complain about it, but they have nothing compared to some of the key young black voices. And I think that's failing by the way of the forum of those institutions who are very happy to just go quick young black voice to put it out there without thinking of the backing behind that. And I think now there's a gradual uh, change and people see that and see the need for those supports. But I suppose my question then would be, like, and I'm particularly interested in my life background is in the film, but where, like, does social media play a role for you in, in terms of getting your uh, work out there, but also in terms of what are those worries or considerations about um, that's something I actually experienced when we did on silencing black voices. Um, till this day, I've had to like privatize all my social media because again, it was something that I knew would happen. And I think that's a barrier that a lot of people who look like me don't want to get into that. You have to have a very thick skin to just know like you're going to experience it. So when we did it, I had a very great support because um, when we did with the YouTube it's um my friends would be the ones to report the comments so i didn't look at them and even on social media i had to privatize everything and everything like that so it is something that i'm always very conscious about that with any work that i do that i know 
if it's like on um, Irish Times, I just know to mute everything. I don't go online that day. And it does affect my mental health, definitely. And again, it makes me um, approach every opportunity with wary. And like, so I do agree with what you're saying, like in that regards, um, it's something that I'm always um, conscious about. And I talk with other filmmakers or other artists and we've all do the same thing with just mute our online and it's kind of you really have to surround yourself with people who are going to be the ones to um they'll have to be the ones to report it online and again it's something that i would love to change because like i believe like you can't be something that you can't see but then the way i take it it's if that means i have to receive all this racism and backlash in order for like my little brothers to grow up in a better island where they can be in the creative scene i'll take it but again, it's something that I'm very, very um, wary about. But I have a support system who take care of that and I don't read any comments or anything um, like that. Uh, for myself, um, I say social media can either be your best friend or your worst enemy. So um, I think it's, end of the day, you still get, you receive, like people are going to criticize you regardless of what you do, even if it's good or bad, if someone has something to say about it. Um, so in terms of myself, I I don't really flaunt about you know what anyone has to say, like in terms of the negative aspect. Um, I think the best thing to look at is the positive, because people generally you can have a hundred likes, and one bad per one person can say one bad comment, and that can ruin someone else like whole uh, someone someone's whole day. Sorry. So the way I see it is um, there's no such thing as bad publicity. So. A person can either love it or they can either hate it. So, end of the day, just do yourself and focus on what you want to achieve and what you want to show the people. Um, and I just want to apologize, first of all, for being a bit late. Perfect. <laughs> and I just want to say thank you to the lads on this panel. Um, they actually gave me an opportunity to have a voice in the documentary. And I was able to tell my own experiences past and hopefully my future experiences because I did mention in the documentary that you know, I dropped an album and um, massive stuff was coming for me. So I just want to thank the lads over here on the panel for giving me the opportunity to showcase what I have in terms of my music and abilities. So That was actually one thing I wanted to ask you about, um, being a participant in the documentary. Um, and I suppose as a performer, did you feel it was important that your music was central, was part of the discussion, I suppose, that... Um, and did you enjoy being in dialogue with other artists? Uh, yes, I've known um, XO Lou, Lucas and Joy Zacks for a while now. Um, me and Lucas actually went to the same secondary school, which is a fun fact. Uh, we used to play basketball together. So it's just funny to see that he went from a basketball player to a rapper. So we used to laugh about that in the documentary. Um, but it's always great to work with artists um, within Ireland and especially within Limerick. It's always good to have your community and people to have your like back you up. So me doing the documentary, I was just grateful to be able to at least say my own experiences and what I had gone through. But um, yeah, I had a great time working in documentary. Um, I don't know if you guys could tell, but I was very nervous when I was doing it. But <laughs> end of the day, I'm happy with the way it turned out, and yeah, just happy to be on the panel. And in terms of your own um, music. Um, the Chronicles of Nico, is that your latest? I'm glad you know that, yeah. <laughs> um, do you want to talk a little about the storytelling process for you in, in crafting that album and, and 
yeah, putting it together. It's a picture of you as a child on the cover, I guess. Yeah, so um, I used to be a baby model. No, I'm joking, but... <laughs> um, so The Chronicles of Nico is basically a story just about my life, um, spoken through music. So um, the way the process was, I dropped it on my birthday. I just I turned 24 on the 13th of November, so we dropped it on my birthday. And um, every song is kind of a different story into you know, what happened, either good or bad. Um, so starting from the start to the finish, it's just a nice body of work. Um, everything on the actual album was a freestyle, so everything came from the top of my head. I wrote nothing down. Um, I recorded most of the tracks in my house. Um, I know the neighbors weren't happy when they were hearing it, but, you know, it turned out very nice. And, uh, yeah, just if you want to check it out, it's all over on available on all Spotify and all the Apple streaming music platforms. Um, I have a show later on tonight in Alfie's Bar if you want to come check it out as well, you know. <laughs> My life is hectic, let's <laughs> But uh, yeah, just thank you for the opportunity. So check it out. Are there any other questions from the, the audience? Hi. Um, really groovy here because I just could listen to you guys all day. It's such a superb panel. Thank you for being so honest and sharing everything with us. Can I ask you? Thanks, Owen. You, you, you've um, you've told us where you're headed, if you like, in a way. But I'm wondering what's next for the others. Um, yeah. Um, so this summer I'm going to um, uh, direct my first documentary. Um, it's going to be on the different shades of Irishness, and so we're going to be um, doing that in Carlo, and we're going to be talking to different migrants who either like first, second generation migrants, or again, have just arrived in Carlo, and just kind of like their perception of identity and belonging and the changing nature of Irishness and how whether or not like they feel Irish, and with all the participants that we have, um, I asked them a question, what does it mean to be Irish? So it just kind of um, portray like a modern day um, Irish perspective. So that's where I'm headed next. Yeah, I suppose with myself, um, I'm sampling, producing and directing at the moment. Um, and I love the two of them. So at the end of the day, I'm probably going to have to choose which one um, or just like whichever production comes up, I'll like offer to be producer or director on. But um, yeah, I'm just, I'm literally taking every day as it comes. Um, I would love to set up a production company um, with the people around me. And yeah, like I don't have like many big plans at the moment. Um, just seeing where it goes and where it takes me. And um, just to get to know more people in the film industry and people that I'm working with. And yeah, that's it. Um, I think for myself, like the next um, large project going into the end of this month, um, it's a European funded project working where we're working with um, people from LGBT community, um, first and second generation migrants and people with chronic illness and disabilities, um, where we're bringing each community together over the course of three weeks to kind of share stories amongst each other. And we're kind of audio recording those um, personal stories that they exchange with one another and then going away and kind of fictionalizing um, their lived experiences into narratives to produce three short films, one kind of focusing on each community. Um, so yeah, just making fictional short films that are coming from a place of authenticity. Um, so that's what my summer is looking like so far. <laughs> 
I suppose, um, given that three of you are kind of showcasing the Limerick hip hop scene, um, what do you think is next for that? Um, yeah, for, for that area. In terms of just the way. Do you think it's going to keep growing? Do you think that there's, um, I know you spoke in the documentary about having a lot of uh, your fan base from abroad. Yeah. Do you think that there's that's going to change? Do you see um, a bigger space for it in Ireland going forward? Because obviously it's the dominant music form in terms of popular music, mm. but it still seems to be somewhat on the margins in some respects. So do you think that you see a, a, an opportunity for that to change? Oh yeah, most definitely. Um, you see, I when I started doing music, uh, especially in Limerick, we didn't have um, that majority of people doing it. But um, ever since I started, I'm seeing, you know, people every day, you know, texting me, "Oh, how would you do this? Um, how can I start doing this?" You know, just trying to gain a bit of knowledge on how to do music scene. So, um, and I had a show yesterday as well where I had we had ten different acts from Ireland. Um, majority of them based in Limerick, uh, just performing. So it was just a great thing to see. The hip-hop scene is changing. Um, so I say this, uh, this, the sky's the limit, really. So I genuinely think that, you know, in terms of Ireland and in terms of music here, we are growing exponentially. So, yeah, all the way is up. And in terms of Irish film, there's a lot of, you know, focus on diversity and um, more women filmmakers, we're seeing more people of color directing films, writing films, albeit short films largely. Um, do you think that you see a change happening, a positive change, or do you still think that we have a long way to go? Um, it's kind of in between. I think once the information is kind of given to different um, community groups, I think it will change because as I said, I every community has a story to tell. They're just waiting for that information and that opportunity. And I just think that once that is provided, I think um, amazing um, diverse stories will be coming out that again will be really adding to the cultural landscape. So I'm very optimistic about it, but I still think that it's once the information um, has been given out, I think there'll be incredible, incredible work to come out. Um, yeah, I think there's good things happening and there's more to be done. Um, I think especially like looking at um, kind of filmmakers of color and queer filmmakers, there's a lot of opportunities there. And kind of going back to what you were talking about earlier about like the fashionability of it all. And it's like, it's hard. I think diversity in film is quite hard because it's so market-based and... How do you drive um, or how do you like because it's so money based and it's all about finance and how do you put money into someone when like your output is well no one is going to want to watch that film and um, yeah like filmmakers of color and queer filmmakers there's kind of a platform and an opportunity but then like and there's funding schemes there for them and there's that market. Um, you look at a lot of film festivals now and they're like almost half the films are queer films and it's great but like it's I think the easiest barrier of entry um, because it requires no facilitation it's just we can have diversity and we don't have to put much work in um, you can share knowledge and whatnot but you don't have to actually spend more of your budget to facilitate certain filmmakers or certain crew members who have needs um, people from economic backgrounds who need specifically way more funding than someone from a middle class background and 
yeah, there's good change happening in some places, but then in the places where you don't have the markets, you're not seeing effort and work being put into that change. And yeah, it's it's I think it's challenging with film um, because it's so much about capital. Yeah, we'll wrap up there. Um, yeah, I, 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 I suppose I was um, just thinking we might finish with the words of Audrey Lord, who wrote, difference must, must be not merely tolerated, but seen as a fund of necessary polarities between which our creativity can spark like a dialectic. And I think that today's panel has shown the, the beauty and the brilliance of um, that diverse creativity and, and the future of the arts in Ireland if we do become the expansive, inclusive space that we want to become. So I'd like to thank everyone, uh, Sandrine Awasi and Dehiro, uh, Kareem Gibbons and Shane Joyce and Owen Alfred. And thank you all for being here today. Thank you. If you would like to support Women in Film and Television Ireland, join us today on wft.ie.